Welcome to episode 10 of Cast IQ, the intelligent podcast for entrepreneurs. Today's founder story comes from Jennifer Emery an online fitness professional based in Liverpool. She's currently in the process of scaling her online fitness business and the interview is literally just ram jam full of hints, tips and experience that will literally cut your learning curve in half if you pay attention to the little gems that come through. We touch on imposter syndrome, limiting beliefs, burnout, mental health, resilience and professional development. We also touch on leverage and wealth creation too. But the four lessons that she extrapolates right at the very end are really powerful and you get a sense that this really only does skim the surface too. Now we've always been up close and personal uh, in our founder story but this episode has probably been our deepest dive yet into the life of an entrepreneur and I'm sure you're going to get a lot out of this. So this is Jennifer Emery and this is her story. For the benefit of our listeners, um, I've cut into the interview um, at, at the point where Jennifer starts to kind of introduce herself. And there's two reasons for this. One, we hit some technical difficulties in the recording. And also, too, I just went completely rubbish and I couldn't get my words out. But nonetheless, I don't think it detracts from the interview. I think um, I've started at the right place and, uh, and it's without any fluff, etc. So on with the interview bit of a backstory. Um, I'm probably recognised accent. I'm from Liverpool. I grew up in Liverpool and I was surrounded by music. My dad was a singer, mum was a singer, my brother was a singer. Um, I ended up singing. Uh, it was just part of the, the family growing up. Um, when I was 12 though, I um, developed what is known as Guillain-Barre syndrome and it happened within a few days. So it was a couple of days before Christmas. I started getting pins and needles around my mouth which spread to my face, which then spread to my whole body. And by Boxing Day, I was pretty much paralyzed. So oh. I was in intensive care for about a month. The doctors really didn't know whether I was going to make it out. And if I did make it out, how I'd look on the other side. So whether I'd be paralyzed, whether I'd be able to walk again. And because not many people had actually had Guillain-Barre syndrome before, there was still lots of, you know, needing specialists and everything. Because at first they thought it was meningitis but it wasn't. And that sort of impacted um, for a, a good chunk, at least 12 months afterwards, just recovery and rehabilitation. Um, and, you know, thankful to sort of my mum and dad, but especially my mum, she did physio on me on the hour, pretty much every hour. And she hardly slept for the time I was in there to try and get my body moving again. I literally just didn't have any muscles. So I couldn't even drink or eat. Everything had to be drip fed through to me because all my muscles had just stopped working and um so from there on in back in school going through school it was it was tough came out of school with five GCSEs and although I loved music uh, I'd started singing doing singing around the clubs and pubs once I'd recovered you know with my dad and everything like that um I've still failed music don't know how that worked 
uh, I was getting paid to sing and then I failed music. Um, but I did, I failed music and um, I decided to carry on with music. So I was singing of an evening and then I was working during the day. So over the sort of coming years, I worked at you know, state agents, a handful of law firms, housing consultancy, and then Merseyside Police. Wow. And I worked in, in strategy at Merseyside Police for five years. And sort of just before I moved to the police, I met my now husband. Um, and we had our first daughter whilst I was on, um, whilst I was at Merseyside Police. And whilst I was on maternity leave with my second daughter, I was then made redundant from the, from the police. So I was there for sort of five years, learning a lot about strategy um, in different roles whilst I was there. So my, I suppose my skill set in, in business, databases, marketing, um, legal support, event planning, administration, all those different skills that I built up in my day job, I'd, I'd built up and then I was still singing of an evening. So my entertainment skills came into um, sort of fruition there. So when I was on maternity leave with my second daughter and I was made redundant, um, it was almost like, oh my gosh, what am I gonna do next? You know, it's like, no one's gonna take me on because I've just got a newborn baby. You know, I have all these thoughts going through my head, what am I gonna do, what am I gonna do? And it was at that point that I sort of went in, into the fitness. So, um, I mean, that's probably a very sort of quick overview of sort of where I come from there. I mean, did, oh, did you have any questions about that bit before we move on to the... No, that, that sounds kind of straightforward. And, um, and a couple of bits in there that, that obviously we would not spoke about previously, which, which was interesting. So what led you to kind of first entrepreneurial leap then? So it was being made redundant. So I think we all, we all come to a... Certain times in our life, we'll come to like a fork in the road. There'll be something that put in front of us that is out of our control. And it, it, it's almost like telling us to make a decision. And some people almost just want to hide. Others will go, right, okay, I'm going to make a decision. Because whatever decision is right at that time, whatever one decides, you know, there's never generally any wrong decision. Because once you start one, if that doesn't work, you know, straight away, and you can, you can fix it and move on. But it was at that point that I decided right okay I'm gonna go uh, become a fitness instructor and it was like I'm gonna try that because I can work it around the children I can choose my hours and um, I went to my first fitness class in the local village it was several months after I'd had my second daughter I was struggling I was overweight didn't wasn't really comfortable in my own skin and I said I went there and after doing the first class I thought actually I really enjoyed this I think this is something I could do I went to my second class and I was like, actually, no, I want to teach this. And then within like a week, I'd booked my training. Within three or four weeks, I'd done my training and I'd set up classes to start, um, fitness classes. And it was that quick. And when was this? This was back in 2010. So it was, there was October, November um, 2010 that I um, decided, right, I'm going to become... An instructor and then by the January I'd done my training and I'd started teaching classes and it was quite interesting because I was struggling with confidence I was struggling with that imposter syndrome and especially in the um, fitness industry where you almost expect all the fitness instructors to be washboard stomachs six packs otherwise you can't be in the industry 
I'd only recently had a baby. I'd gained five, um, four stone with my first daughter, lost a chunk of it, but not all of it by the time I had my second daughter and then put five stone on with my second daughter. So, and I'd lost a little bit of that, but I was still carrying a lot more weight than what I was normally ca carrying when I became an instructor. So if I'd have gone down the route of going, well, actually I'm not where I want to be, then I may not be where I am now, but I basically made that, right, I'm going to do it. I'm going to get started. Everyone has to start somewhere. And it was interesting because I'd never run my own business before. And I basically went, okay, I'm setting up these classes in this school, in this um, school gym. And I can remember waiting that half hour before I started that class thinking, is anyone going to turn up? Am I going to be standing here by myself and no one's going to turn up? And then, I, and I put adverts out I'd, 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 and there wasn't really a great deal of social media stuff. There's a little bit out there, but not a huge amount. Posters up in shops, all, all the old school um, type of advertising. And my first class, I had 46 people turn up to do the class. Oh. I was, when they, when they started arriving, I was like, yes, because I saw one person arrive. I thought, yes, it's not just going to be me. <laughs> and then another car arrived and they got, and, and then there were three or four people get out of the car. And then another car arrived and I was like, oh my word, now I've actually got to teach to these people. It's my first, first time I've done it. What are they going to think of me? And I had all these negative thoughts going through my head. What if they hate me? And I did the class and it, it was, it was amazing. And to the point where my first class I had 46 people turn up. My second class I had 76 people turn up. My third class, I had 96 people turn up. And that was, and I went from like one class the first week, two classes the second week, four classes the, by like the end of the third week, the fourth week. And then I was doing 11, 12 classes a week, all in this same venue. And it just exploded. I was not expecting this to happen, but the lady, they were just loving it. And I think, what hit home, especially back then, was that we were all being so forced to, to be perfect. And I wasn't perfect, far from perfect, but I accepted who I was and I worked with what I had and I made everyone feel comfortable. And um, because of, I suppose, the entertainment background, it, it all, my whole point was that I wanted women to enjoy exercise, feel comfortable, not feel like they're going to be getting the Manhattan once, once over by someone who's half their size. And, they were going to get a really good workout and have fun at the same time. Because once you find exercise, it's fun. You're more likely to do it more often. And it did. And it just spiraled from there. And it was, it was incredible. Um, it really was. And I was so grateful for all the support that I was getting and all the, the comments of how I was helping um, women improve their health. And the, they hated going to the gym because they didn't feel comfortable, but now they had a class that they could go to where they could be themselves and they could, you know, freely dance without someone else looking at them the wrong way or, and it was just, it was, it was amazing. But then there's a sort of a downside to where all that came is that after a year to two years of me teaching that sort of number of classes, my body was like, well, it's, it's getting too much. Um, Cause not only was I teaching the classes, I was having to learn choreography, new choreography for it prior to the classes because of the sheer number of classes. You had to keep it fresh and relevant. So the amount of hours it was spent learning choreo, dance, my body was just exhausted with two small children 
trying to work it all around or those who need to officially teaching sort of 12 hours per week it was all the other hours around that yeah. so I suppose for me it was um, sort of I knew that my, my clients were women they were struggling with their confidence and, and wanting weight loss and they were wanting as many different classes as possible but I couldn't physically provide that number of classes for them um, and I got to a ceiling on the number of classes that I could actually teach and then even at that point, it was like, this is really, really tough, this long term. Um, what point did you reach that? A 12, I was doing teaching 12 classes, um, 12 classes a week. And it was, and I knew when I'd hit that wall was it when there were mornings when I was trying to get out of bed and I couldn't physically lift, I didn't want to physically lift my head up off the pillow because my whole body was just exhausted. And you know, you're sort of trying to drag yourself out of bed. And it was like, this is obviously too much for me. Um, so I had burnout on several occasions as a result of this, but I was very much at the time back then, people pleaser. I wanted, you know, if someone said, can you do this? I'd be like, yeah, can you do this charity event? Yeah. Even if, even if it's a weekend and it's going to take four hours out your day. Yeah. Yeah. I'll do it. And I was just saying yes to everything because one, I wanted to help and two, I didn't want to disappoint. And it, it did, it got to the point where it was like, actually, this is having a negative effect on me so it was then saying well okay this is sort of like a bit of a, a learning curve here on a long-term basis am I going to be able to sustain the sheer amount of exercise and be able to deliver at the same level for a long period of time and I knew the answer was no but when did you reach this conclusion in terms of time then because obviously you're into 2011 and you, yeah. you know, your first class you got 46 and you got up to say 96 yeah so at what point did you think, whoa, I can't sustain this, you know, in terms of time? Yeah, it was a, it was a few a couple of years later, yeah. maybe two, two, three years later. But that also coincided, and I, I, need to, I can't think of the, the year that this happened, but basically at the time, one of the um, problems that I also had was that there was a local leisure centre that didn't want me um teaching because i was taking business away from them basically i was competition for them and oh. um, um, they were trying to get me to get my classes stopped because they were saying there were less people going into their leisure center um and my my response was i'm one person you're a full leisure center if i can bring these clients in then there's obviously there's a problem at the leisure center if they're if they're coming to me and i'm one person you've got courts you've got swimming pool you've got all sorts there um but eventually they had me removed from the venue because and this was all in the papers had me removed oh. they had me removed from the venue because basically said i was taking business away from them um and then i moved to another local venue nearby still in yeah. the same area and not long afterwards they then took over management of the the venue and I had an email from the CEO basically saying, you hand over all of your, um, your database, your client database, and come and work for us as an right. on an hourly rate. Right. Or we kick you out of there as well. And, they kick, and I was like, and this was, and I, and I was like, well, don't kick me out then because one of the things was I've never worked for a, a leisure center or a gym before. So it's not like I'd taken clients away and moved them. I'd built this business up all off my own back, blood, sweat and tears, you know, done everything to sort of really, really grow 
and support all these women. And yeah. pretty much overnight, my income dropped by 80% because wow. it was just like, and, there was, and I'm not the only instructor that's happened to, it's happened to other instructors too. Um, but yes, like they had that, they had that. So it was almost like I had to rebuild it up again in a different location. Could um, I ask, sorry yeah. to interrupt, um, something that just occurred to me, the venue that you were in, was that connected with the leisure centre then? It was a local school and because the school uses the uh -huh. leisure centre for some of its activities, there was very much like a, they were had, they had, and I totally, hand in. I totally understand, you know, they were put in a difficult situation. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, for, there was, it wasn't, um, it, how do I put it? Uh, <laughs> it's one of the things that it, it I was obviously, they, they weren't happy that it, I was successful at what I was doing. There were other instructors that had been teaching and they didn't ask them because they weren't getting the numbers in that I was getting into my classes. So, awesome. so it wasn't really um, competition for them, but yeah. I'd have obviously appeared and I'd taken a lot of business from them and they weren't happy about it. So it was like, well, let's close it down. And they eventually, they eventually got, got that. So I had to move to a different venue and it was almost like starting again. Because what tends to happen is most, most of us will, will travel within a small distance to our, our local gym or there's a distance that cap on it could be you mm. know, five minute walk, 10 minute walk or a 10 minutes drive or 15 minutes. You won't generally go much further. So most people are limited to what they have available to them in that area unless they're sort of straight from work. Um, so the venues that were available to me were, were less and they were further away. So all my client base that I built up run now on a a lot of them were unable to to get to me so there were several things there because for me it's like well actually you've now just taken a choice away from someone who was really getting doing well with their health and fitness and you've now taken an option away from them um and, and you're making it harder for them to reach their health goals so uh, there were there were several things there not only did i lose my income but the women who lost a lot of um you know the the what was keeping them sane, helping them with the, you know, lose the weight, help them with the, the stress levels, giving them time away from the kids because they weren't that happy going to a gym. So that was a, a, a big, <laughs> big lesson learned that, you know, I suppose for me, I had all my eggs in one basket in terms of one location. Sure. Um, but I'd grown it, grown it out. So I, I set up a couple of other locations but again, you're limited by the number of people that you can get in the room or when I can actually teach. So depending on what, well, I've got two children at the time, they were a lot younger. So it was, it was working around their schedule because I didn't want to miss being around for them. Because the whole point of me running my own business was so I could be there for my children, not then be away when they're not in school. Or um, So that was a, a very tough time. As a, I can as, imagine. As an entrepreneur. So when did you reach that point then? Because I think we, as entrepreneurs, we do, don't we? We reach a point where you either run out of time, and, and when you're, you know, paid on on a time basis, you you know, it limits you. What what point did you think, you know, right? I'm at full capacity now. Next, you know, what's next? What what can I do to scale mm. business? And what? And when did you reach that point? Yeah. So one of the things, like, well, actually. The only way I can scale is to take on staff. So at the time in my head, the only way I can scale is to take on staff. Um, so I um, took on 
some cheerleaders and I took on um, a couple of instructors to do some classes, to teach classes for me and to deliver after school cheerleading clubs, summer clubs, things like that. But due to, um, for anyone that's in business, um, HR, staffing issues, there's so many different things that come when you start taking on staff that it got to the point after a certain period of time that it was, it, it was really stressful to manage. And I spent more time managing that and not doing what I actually loved, which was the, the teaching side of it, the, the, how I can sort of really help someone achieve their goals when I was spending more time just trying to manage, yeah, HR. It just wasn't, it was straight away after doing it for a while, like this is not actually, I'm not enjoying this. Yeah, it, it, it kind yeah. of creates a risk factor as well, doesn't it? In the sense that if you've got other instructors, there's every chance that that other instructor might well want to jump ship, mm-hmm. have you know, start up his or her own business and take clients, yeah. and take your clients, and it's how you protect your business in that so those yeah. circumstances, which becomes really stressful. Yeah, I mean, really. it. I mean, it wasn't so. At that time, I didn't. There was no no real sort of con- consent that, that at that time that they were going to do that. The, the hardest bit for me was almost like some reliability because there were times when I, I just get messages saying, "Sorry, I can't make it," and yeah. twenty minutes before teaching starting. So then I'd have to race down there. I'd turn up late, and if anyone knows me very well, knows that I am a Wednesday stickler for time. I hate being late for anything. You could probably count on one hand. No, I've, I've been brought up by my dad, even when I was singing all those years ago and I'd go to a venue I'd arrive half an hour to an hour before I needed to get there just in case anything happened to the car or I needed to set up equipment I, I, I'd even do that with classes when I was teaching I'd arrive probably an hour before the class was due to start um, some people just fly in at the last minute I like to be in and be prepared and to be nice and calm and ready so that I'm focused and to teach so that's sort of gone with me through the years. Um, so to get those sort of messages, it was, the stress levels would just go through the roof because for me, it's almost like I want when someone up to arrives to have that welcome experience. But if they're turning up and the instructor's got their back to them because they've been just arrived and they're putting equipment up, they're not building that connection and they're not, you know, checking they're okay, you know, giving them that um, support that they may need because they may want to chat beforehand. So yeah. it was, there, were, there were so many different things around having staff. And I did that, that 12 months, I think. And again, quite a lot has happened over the last yeah. few years. And they're like, okay, this isn't, this isn't working. And then I went from there and I, um, I carried on teaching my classes, but I cut my numbers, cut my numbers right back, um, cut my class, classes right back. Um, I think at that time I was doing around six classes, six classes a week. So obviously income was going to drop straight away because I'd half the number of classes. So in yeah. my head, like, I need to, what can I do to grow the business? And then it was around that time that uh, sadly I lost my brother. He took his own life. And um, it was one of those moments like you just get hit right completely out of, you know, out of the blue and you've lost a family member. And that was really, really tough because not only was I sort of trying to get my head around the fact that my income levels had gone down, but my energy levels weren't as good because I was trying to do so much. I'd also 
lost my brother um, yeah. at the same point. So mentally, when you're trying to grow business, and all lots of different things. It's like people throwing things getting thrown at you all the time, and you you're just trying to stay afloat, stay up. But then a massive boulder just hits you and knocks you for six, um, and you don't have that comfort of working in a job where if you take time off, you get paid. If I took time off, didn't get paid. You know, the business was already it was it was struggling a bit because you know the the numbers are reduced i couldn't physically teach as many and then that happened and i need needed to take some time off so it was it was a very sort of tough time around there and um i think in life you there's always going to be as i said as i mentioned there's always going to be things that are thrown at you um some not very pleasant at all that you have to deal with and as an entrepreneur having that mental strength to get you through because a lot of people probably would have would have given up by that point and just said, right. And there were so many times when I've been like, I, I need, I'm just going to go back and get a job. <laughs> going to go back. I'm going to make sure I get, you know, holiday pay, <laughs> sick pay, you know, absolutely. You know, um, if you need to take time off for, you know, losing a family member, you'd have all that. I didn't have that. So um, as well as having two small children that to, to look after in a family. So, so the, what would you, in terms of your resilience then, I mean, what, what and, this, and certainly the attractiveness of, of thinking, let's go and get another job. What mm -hmm. stopped you? What stopped me was I think I'd... Uh, going, back, uh, going back through the years, even in school, there were some teachers that sort of supported me really, really well. And then others that... I remember my, my geography teacher saying I'd never amount to anything. Yeah. Never amount to anything. And in my head, whether that's one thing in my head, thinking and um, being bullied growing up in school, that uh, there were so many different things in my head of people trying to pull you down, and in my head being very stubborn, going, actually, you know, it's not going to happen. They're not, they're not going to pull me down. <laughs> I'm going to fight my way through this. But what I realised around then was that for me to go any further, I needed to sort my mental health out because I lost my brother, but he had poor mental health. And that's why he took his own life. I had poor mental health because I was trying to do everything and be everything to everyone. Yeah. Um, and it was only, I started sort of really delving into personal development, reading as many books as I could. And um, I'm so pleased that I started that journey those years ago because I don't think I'd be where I am now or if I was, or if, you know, where I am now mentally wouldn't be in where mentally and physically and you know like enjoying life I wouldn't be where I was now because I'd be stuck in that um half empty mindset yeah. so if things have massively that was a big factor for me in terms of especially as a entrepreneur and as a business owner is investing time not only in my physical health because obviously I was teaching I was exercising but in my mental health too by understanding how my mind thinks understanding those limiting beliefs that I've taken with me through, through school through growing up all that sort of stuff and and understanding how my mind works so that I can make sure that when that voice imposter syndrome voice appears that I can sort of flick it off and I can move forward 
and when I'm, I'm knowing full well when I fall over, how quickly I get back up and move on. Because a lot can be hit with something and we can stay down for too long. And as an entrepreneur, if you really want to move forward, you have to be ready to, once you fall and you're going to fall over. I've fallen over so many times. But the quick, the more, the more you do it, the quicker you get back up again. And the, okay. that's how the resilience has been built, I think. And I think um, we all have to go, th- go through it um, at some point. But the, the personal development is what has massively helped me. And um, yeah, it's... I, I don't know about you, but um, a number of the things that I, I think I've done in my career and my kind of background is I've, I've used the negative to spur me on to the positive. So, you know, I, I was brought up in a, in a quite religious environment and, and I would say a cult and, um, and, and a lot of like the things that you would do, you know, like building self-esteem as you grow up were kind of limited and kind of prohibited even like, like higher education and things like that. And I think at one point I was told that I would never amount to anything and everything I've ever done in my life, I know has been two fingers to that individual. And it's, and I don't know about you whether you feel the same. You know, you, you kind of think, well, do you know what? I'm not going to let this get on, get on top of me because they've then won 20, 30 years in the past. But, you know, it's still there, isn't it? And it still kind of pushes you on. And I think because I, I, growing up back, back in the days, back in Liverpool, I, I'm looking back and I, and I think of the school that I went to, the school and the teachers spent more time trying to control kids rather than teaching now i wasn't a bad kid in any shape and i was there and i was keen to learn but there wasn't probably as much learning because they were too busy trying to calm everyone else down and um i sort of struggled with reading and it's quite interesting because when i say struggle i speak to my husband chat to my husband several times he goes did you not read this book in school did you not read this i'm like no, I can only remember two big, two books, To Kill a Mockingbird and Animal Farm. But the only two books I can remember actually reading in school. And I can't even remember really actually enjoying either books. Um, but now I read books like, I go through a couple, two or three books easily a month, easily maybe more, because I'm just constantly reading and listening to podcasts and feeding my mind with the right stuff. So um, I know how, but I'm not, I don't, I don't really read um, fiction books. I, I don't really read. No. I, I'm more about because I know how important it's been to sort of keep my mind on track and especially want to grow a business. I'm constantly wanting to learn because I'm constantly wanting to improve. Um, what, what would you say your, your kind of seminal book has been then that's kind of really driven you on? Oh, so there's been there's been quite a few. There's been four hour week. There's been girl oh. stop the girl stop apologising by Rachel Hollis because a lot of times when you you apologise for everything, it's not your fault, and you're people pleasing. Um, I'm currently on this book, which is really good by Dan Furman, Off Balance on Purpose. Okay. So it's talking about everyone wanting balance. Um, you have to balance with this working life, but it's not necessarily about that. It's if you're going to be off balance, you're doing it on purpose. So you put yeah. and you know it's for a short period of time, and then so it might be the period of time there's more balance, it's more towards your family, and then a period of time where you need to spend more time on your work. But trying to get it exactly equal, you're going to end up more 
more stressed trying to do that but it's a, a really really good book so yeah, i would recommend that but I, i'm just constantly um reading and listening to podcasts in in the shower in the car and yeah yeah do you know funnily enough uh, in talking about the kind of unbalanced and on purpose kind of um concept i was listening to an interview it was a few weeks back now and uh, the guy that was being interviewed was talking about kind of like decisions and what to, you know, what decisions to make and, and what particular point. And, um, and, it, and he, he looked at his career in like five year spurts. And, and so what he would do is he would spend say five years committed to the business. You know, nobody would see him. He would just literally five years head down and go for it. And then there'd be five years of family. And that's how he chose, you know, to, to work. And that kind of governed his decisions, you know, and, and it's because I think it was about work-life balance. And he says, well, I don't suppose there is, but, you know, strategically I focus on, on one, one area. So if I need to focus on the business for a number of years, then we do that. And every decision that I take will be based on that. And then obviously once that focus shifts on to more family and spending more time with family, it coincided with, I suppose, an age factor as well. Um, you know, his decisions about the business would obviously take take a different slant. And I think it's interesting that it's not all about having balance here and now. Sometimes, like you do, you have to have that shift. Yeah. And once you realise, so I'll give you a prime example. And I've mentioned to you before we start the podcast is I'm in the, I've spent the last nine days doing a full new rebrand on the mm, membership yeah. site. Now, I've been up, I've been up early. I've been going to bed late. It's been, I've eat, sleep and breathing it. But I know school holidays are coming up soon and I want to be spending more time with the girls. So if it means for the next week or two, I'm all hands to the deck, getting everything set up, social media posts, emails, all that sort of stuff sorted, it means I can down tools and spend more time when the girls are off. Because, yeah. and so, so it's not about equal amount of time every single day it's known obviously the seasons as well and i've got then i've got two children one primary one secondary um that i want to be there so my i the way i'm growing my business is so i can do that so i take my foot off the pedal during the holidays and then when they're back in school i ramp it back up and if there's times during when they're in school that i need to add a few more hours on and do that but it's making sure that the time they off that we can really sort of spend that together as a family Absolutely. So when did you start the, the, you know, moving to more online then? So it was about, it was three years ago, I decided that I was going to, uh, I stopped becoming an online coach. So uh, I'd go out, Kate, um, which was part of a network marketing company. Okay. And I became a coach for them um, with fitness programs. So, and I'm still with them now. Amazing. So my job is to, rather than me physically teaching all the classes day in, day out, um, there's new programs that go on every quarter onto this online library and me as a coach would support the, the clients through the program so it's finding the right program for them that's suitable for their fitness level what they enjoy and then keep them accountable to those goals helping them with any sort of mindset or nutrition nutritional issues so that was my role that I've been doing for sort of what I've been doing for the last three years alongside teaching my community classes so I was doing those two and then the lovely COVID hit. 
at the start of this this year and it was like okay let's see what happens um but from in january i decided that i was wanting to build anyway my own membership site online so that i could provide my workouts my programs to my clients any time of day as well as still offering live classes who have the best of both worlds so i'm still running the online which was the online coaching which was amazing because when covid hit my community classes just stopped overnight so pretty much half my income stopped overnight and i was still but i was still getting income because it was online so it wasn't affected if anything the number of people wanted to work out at home increased because they could mm. get to the gym so that was really really good so when i hear people go on about network marketing and that it, it doesn't it's like well actually if you've got something that aligns with you and you know how you're helping your clients i'm i'm providing the services so i've really been able to sort of help keep clients accountable so that they haven't gained that stone over during lockdown. Um, so I had that, but then when the other half of the business stopped, so I think it was 23rd of March, that was the date that I actually had set to launch or to do like the beta launch of my dance club online membership. Mm. It just so happened they both fell on exactly the same day because I've been planning that since January. I've been planning that date because of the way it fell and I could get everything ready. So as one closed, the other door opened. And it's really strange. That you, I just didn't think that was going to happen because in January, although I might have heard something on the radio that, that there was something going on in China, it didn't really sort of hit home that, that was going to be with us very soon. Um, so that opened. And although it, when I say it didn't open and everyone just automatically signed up, it wasn't like that because what happened when, um, or ha what I found when, everything kicked off everyone went into fear mode everyone that went in i don't know what's happening i don't know what's happening with my job i don't know what's happening with my life i don't know if i can go out i can't see my family and there's this very much period of time where there's fear mode so for me it was like well actually I'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna gonna take my time i know i'm gonna be there to provide that support and that service when they're ready i'm gonna keep building adding more and more to my, my membership library more fitness workouts more workouts that are gonna make them feel happier get their moods, get, lift, help lift their moods. And sort of the last three months, it's just been amazing to see how my membership sites developed and the responses that I'm getting from it. Um, and in only three months, you know, it's the difference. If you sort of see where it was when it started to where it is now, it's shadow, you know, it's so much further on. So it's just exciting to see, well, actually, where's it going to be by Christmas? Where's it going to be? In 12, in 12 months time um, and for me the scalability is there I have a VA who supports me and I, I'm not employing anyone so I've got the he HR headaches issues that comes around that I've got a VA that supports me um, and is helping me grow the grow the membership site and then with the process now we're about to fully launch with the new website get all the advertising out there to really start growing the business and to raise an awareness of what's available mm. um, ladies and i'm not and previously i suppose with me teaching i was limited to one venue when i was say i was in one venue i was only i was still limited to the number of people in there i had issues whether someone that whether a uh, leisure center wanted me to be there or not well this is online now so i'm not in a venue i've got my um platform that i use for all my workouts um it allows clients to actually pick and choose their workouts as well so they can decide on the playlist for their workouts which there's no one else as far as i'm aware 
that they can choose their playlist for their workouts. Um, I've, I've literally looked at it from the perspective of a client coming and going, what would I love if I could have anything in a site, what would it look like? And they're like, well, the songs that I'll absolutely love. So I'd like to be able to put my, create my own play, my own workout with my warm up and my cool down and my, my, and if I only want to do a low impact workout, then I can choose low impact tracks. Or if I really want to go for it today, I can throw in all the high impact ones. Well, it's set up so that you can choose your playlist as well as choose workouts that we've already done together, um, as well as look at nutrition and mindset. So it's putting it all in one package, but they also get access to me. As a so how do they kind of, I'm just thinking of a rights issue with the music. How does that work? Or are they kind of linked up with Spotify? Yeah, so this is what initially was, that was probably the biggest hurdle that I had. So previously I've been back, so there's, there's certain sites that you can get copyright free music from, which I'd been using at the very beginning. Oh. And then there's um, royalty free and there's um, copyright free music that I've had to buy individually. <laughs> so they, however they remix and do it, I can buy it so I can use it online. And now I'm literally just waiting for the sign, the sign. I saw the sign. Um, we've had an email from um, EMD, which is the National Body for Exercise Music Dance, saying they're just about to sign off on a license so we can use any music, copyright, any, any music at all online in our site. So as soon as that's done, I've already got 50, 70 workouts recorded, ready to go once I get that sign off. And it's going to become, it's imminent. So it just means then that going forward, anything that, and if someone wants me to put something together, I can put it together with the music. Cause that was been, that was been the whole not. So it's been like, right, okay, I can only use this music or I'm going to have to search through these free music sites mm. and find half decent music. <laughs> and, I, and I was doing that at the beginning, going through it and I was sitting there for hours, sometimes going, no, don't like that one. No, it's not quick enough. No, no, no. We're... <laughs> Whereas now it's like, oh, this is what I have been waiting for. But because of, there was a bit of a, an uproar with all the fitness community saying, well, how, how can we continue to support our clients? Because online now, and online is going to be here, you know, not going away. So let's give, let's give fitness instructors a license to say, actually, you can do this. And that's what they've, they're literally about to sign the dot on the dotted line for. So I've got it all, all that bit ready so that then even then going forward, there'll be a lot more that can come in. Fantastic. So what would you say your biggest challenges have been in, in your business then? Biggest challenges? Um, oh, I've had a few. I don't know. <laughs> what a shock. <laughs> <laughs> I think the biggest challenge um, has been letting go of, of me trying to do, want to, to do everything because being able, if I want to scale a business, I need to let go of some of the business to, yeah. to, to give those tasks out to others. And I think we chatted about this is prior to me. So I've got a VA now who has massively helped and I wouldn't be where I was now without her support to sort of really, really help me grow. Um, and the support of a couple of the VAs along the way as well, who've, who've really, really helped me. But it's shown that it means I can focus on providing the best possible service for my clients and all the stuff in the background I know is getting sorted and it's getting sorted quickly. Um, so taking on a, a VA has been, yeah, I'd recommend if you're an, if you're, you've got a business and you're trying to grow it all yourself, 
you are going to struggle. And I spent so long struggling because I was like, I don't think I can afford this because I'm not having, I haven't got enough money coming in to pay for someone else. And it's like that chicken and egg situation. <laughs> what, what do I do? And um, I'm not sure whether I told you the story, but this, when I was, when I was making that decision as to whether to take a VA on, take on a VA and pay them, I was like, right, okay, there's not really any money in the bank because obviously everything's just kicked up. How am I going to pay for it? I know we've got in the front, we, we knocked down part of the wall 12, 18 months ago, so 12 months ago to get the caravan up the drive so that it wasn't in storage. So we got up the drive, which meant the sandstone that was on the wall has been in a pile of rubble on the front front garden for ages and it's been sitting there and I was like right okay what I'll do is I'll put that on eBay see how much you get for it and then whatever I get for it I'll use that towards VA costs and see what they can actually get done in that period of time and I think it was about 70 pounds or 80 pounds I made on this sandstone and, and there was a sandstone post and I put that towards it and my eyes were opened as to what a VA could get done in just that small amount of hours so then it was like actually this is a no-brainer. So what I would say is if you're a small business and you want to grow and you're thinking, actually, have I got the funds there? My first job would be saying, don't say I can't have a VA. Say, how am I going to get a VA? What can I do to get that money in so I can bring them in? Because they're going to help you move your business forward. So is it to go around your house looking for clothes that you can sell or items of furniture that you don't like anymore or paint or pick something that, you, that just doesn't really serve you and you can you put that to good use? because they'll really, really help you move your business. Yeah. It, it's, that, it's that age-old problem, isn't it? Is that you, as an entrepreneur, you find yourself doing um, so many kind of £10 an hour jobs when you really should be concentrating on, on the real income-generating work, which is two, £300 an hour, you know, when you look at it from a strategic point of view. You know, and, and it makes absolutely zero sense, you know, that when somebody says that they can't afford a VA, let's say at say fifteen pounds an hour, let's say, um, or even beyond that, I think they've really got to question how much it's really costing them to do it. Yeah, I, um, I think that, I think there's always. I mean, I had a limit. I've had a sort of limiting belief around money for since I've been brought up because we were brought up back then. You may do with what you had. If yeah. Something was, you know, damaged. Your mum had fix it, you should sew it back together, you should do it. It wasn't basically like a dispose, throwaway society where you have clothes and they're thrown away. Um, it was about parents knew exactly how much everything costs, how much milk costs, how much cheese costs. I wouldn't have a clue how much anything costs because I just put it all in the, all in the trolley and what Isn't we need. And yeah. we just, I wouldn't know how much, but back then, my, well, my parents, they knew everything to the penny they really sort of managed manage the money to that that so it was almost like you'd really don't spend you don't spend on things um so it took me a while to to make the leap even to the point where it's making the leap to to do a membership site it's like if you were to open up a shop today or a studio today the amount of investment you'd have to put in for those premises for the rate you know for the rates for everything security insurances you name it Whereas online, you're still going to have your opening your doors costs, but yes. they're not going to they're not going to rock it. They shouldn't rock. They should all, always pretty much be the same, and you can still build and scale. Whereas even in a studio, you'll get to a maximum capacity, and unless you want to go bigger, you have to go to bigger premises, and then you've got more. So um, that's why I'm going down the online route because I can actually 
um, serve my clients better without killing my body. And that's it's about leverage, isn't it? That has to be, you know, the, the crux of it. Yeah. You know, I mean, you've also, I mean, you've you've alluded and mentioned already your network marketing business, mm. which um, I'll come to that in a second as well. But you know, you've got a network marketing business, which is a second income almost, which take, you know, which you've already said has served its purpose because you know, one when one dropped off because of COVID, the other took the slack. Yeah. And um, is your um, online business now your online business not going to compete with this one though? So no, so basically how it works is you've got, I've got one side, which is the, almost like the home gym workout. So if there's a client who wants to use, to, to start weight training, they've never used it before, or they want to do boxing or bar workouts, they're not programs I actually deliver. So when I'm speaking to a client, first I want to find out where they're at with the fitness levels, what they enjoy and what they're looking to achieve. And then I can work out the rest program for them. And if it's down the home gym route, they'll take them down there. If they're coming to me going, I absolutely hate exercise, but I absolutely love dancing and I want to use it, then my, my dance club membership site is for them. So I, can, I, I, figure, I figure out once I speak to the clients or clients a lot of time will know which one they want to go down because if someone really isn't into dance, then they're not going to be interested in the dance club at home. So it's, it's, it, it, they, they, they complement each other because in my opinion, yeah. they're, not, they're, not, they're not competing. And actually I have clients do both. Yeah. So, so it's good because then they can have me in my live classes, they can have and my on demand and mix it up with their weight training if they want to do that and vice versa. So, um, like you say, it's, it's complementary and you've got a good product mix, haven't you? Mm. And, um, across the board. So, in terms of the numbers, then what, what are you looking at at the moment? So, where I am at the moment with the membership site is I've got 30 members. So, yep. in I've got 30 members. I've got clients who do, do classes on and off page you go and they're doing that. But I'm, I'll be looking, uh, looking to 100 by Christmas and then 300 by within the next 12 months. Now, they're very much how I'm putting them. Um, not easy numbers, easy targets. I shouldn't really set myself. But we haven't, when say we've launched, we've been in sort of like the beta phase and I've had clients, the members who've been just, uh, I've been asking them what they want in as well. So, building a really strong membership size. And now that we've got the rebrand and launch and we go live, um, I'd like to hope to get to the 300 by Christmas, but I'm saying 100 by Christmas and then 312 months um, on memberships. How much does that equate to in say in cash terms? So I've got three membership options. So depending on the, what the client needs, anything from 45 pounds to 125 pounds per month. Wow. Um, you do the maths. <laughs> Fantastic. But again, so it will depend on what, what, what the client's needs are. If a client just wants to be able to access, so like people just access gym membership so they can go into the workouts and then go, then they can 45 pounds a month and they can, act, they can get access to um, on-demand classes and my live classes. Plus they get to speak to me as a fit pro. I'm the, I'm the dedicated fit pro. You won't yeah. get a dedicated fit pro going into a, a gym that you'll speak to. You'll get whoever's on the, on the shop floor. So yeah. I can get on and speak to clients beforehand if they have any questions, if they're struggling. Um, but then if they want the coaching aspect, depending on what level they want, they can go for the um, funky, funky confident, funky confident and unstoppable packages. So we've got three options there um, depending on their goals. But as the business grows, there'll be obviously that all, it all won't be profit because there will be 
reinvestment back in, probably taking on at that point, maybe another VA or two, depending on what areas as we grow, um, to help sort of even manage, manage groups, online groups, um, and then further advertisement to sort of take it out even further. But yeah, you can do the maths. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> um, so who would you say has been your kind of main mentor then through, through all of this? Oh, I'd say, I've probably had a few, depending on what stages I've been at. Yes. So when I first started, my, my mentor or who I looked up to was just other people in the in the local fitness industry, other instructors, thinking, actually, I'm going to watch what they do, see what they, and then start learning from them. And then it was, um, then it was right. Okay, it looks like Tony Robbins, Gary Vaynerchuk, Shaleen Johnson, um, and it would it would generally depending on what I was reading at the time. If they had a podcast, I'd be listening to the podcast. So a mixture of getting viewpoints from all different ones because then you can I, I sort of make up my mind because not all viewpoints you're going to agree with. Yeah. There'll be some that resonate with you really well. So as I've been going through, then those that resonate with me more. Again, like to Shaleen Johnson and Rachel Hollis. Um, they've been really, really good, good ones for me. What would you say to any entrepreneur that's approaching burnout? What would you say would be the, the thing to do? First thing would be to step back and find find someone. Find a, a if you if you're struggling to with burnout. You've probably not got your systems and, and you're probably doing everything yourself or the majority of it yourself. It's like, okay, step back and get, you, get someone else to look over what you're doing. A fresh pair of eyes because if, when you're in it all the time, you can sort, sometimes get lost with actually, I need to step back. Okay, this is what we need to do. So like for me, for a long time, I was trying to do everything myself and I sort of my head, head was down and getting burnt out. And um, it's like, okay, take a step up, right? I need, I need to get help. I need to invest in help, bring on the help. And then um, it's allowed me to sort of scale up and, and do it. Apart from these last nine days where it's been sort of full on for the rebrand, I know I'm going to be taking my foot off the pedal over the summer period. And that's what, I, that's what I want because I've got a VA. Because when you have other people working for you, when you're running a business by yourself, so if you're watching this and you, you're by yourself, you will probably feel that as soon as you stop, so if you go, I'm taking a week off because I'm going on holiday, you feel like your business just stops. Nothing's moving forward. Nothing's happening. If you, it's much easier to go, right, okay, I'm stopping and taking a week off because you know things are happening behind the scene because your VA's doing X, Y, and Z or they're putting this, the, 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 the things are moving on your business. So it's much easier for you to say, well, actually, I can take a step back because I know even in a week's time, the business is going to have moved forward. When you're by yourself, it stops when you stop. Most of the time, it'll stop when you stop. It's that old saying, isn't it, that if you don't have a business that works without you, then you don't have a business. You just have a job. And, um, and, and I had a job. I had yeah. a job for, for good. It's probably out of the ten, 10 years I've been in business, probably for the last eight, eight and a half, I've had a job. Although I've said I've been running a business, I've actually had a job because I haven't really been focusing on the or really understanding what I need to do and that investment. If I want to take the business forward, there's no two ways about it. You're going to have to invest in help. Absolutely. And when you're online, you, you don't necessarily need as much, when I say as much help. That's probably the wrong one. 
the, the costs are going to be much lower than if you had a physical one, a physical premises. So if you've got an online business, um, you can grow it with just with a, a VA, a couple of VAs, um, and make a massive difference. One of the things that you've mentioned quite a lot within certainly the first part of like your your kind of startup and your history was imposter syndrome, and this crops up an, an enormous amount. And I think it's healthy in, in lots of ways that, that that it's there. But what would you say to somebody that's you know that has um, the, the kind of signs of imposter syndrome? In the other words, you know, about the feelings that you know, why me? You know, surely people are going to find out at some point that I'm not as as good as, as I am at my job, et cetera, et cetera. What would you say to them what, in terms of how they can get over that? I think there's a few things that you can do. I mean, one of the things is, is again, surrounding yourself with the right people. Because if you've got people around you who are going, who do you think you are, you know? So if I had people, in terms of when I was starting up being an instructor and I was surrounded by all these people going, Jen, you, 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 you're too, too fat to be an instructor. You, you, you don't want to play one. You need to wait until you've lost all that. I probably wouldn't have even taken it on. Or if you're trying to grow a business and you've got your friends around, you're going, why are you bothering doing that? Why are you going into business? I had so many people when I went and started doing the network marketing, as you know, network marketing gets a bad rap. And mm. I understand why I just get a bad rap. Um, but if I hadn't gone into that, it probably wouldn't give me a lot of the lessons that I've learned, which is then taking me on to grow, growing the membership site as well, because I've learned so much from it. But also, it kept it kept money afloat as well. I was helping clients, but I also kept money afloat. I was able to learn a lot about business with a low, you know, entry level into business. Then the downside is because it is a low entry level. If there's low, if there's low entry level, you generally don't put in as much effort. Yeah, not as invested. Yes. So when I invested in a two and a half thousand pounds business coaching course, you damn sure I turned up and I did everything in that course. If I'd have paid, if I'd have got it for free, probably more chance that other things that crop up that I wouldn't look at it. And it's the same with, with fitness. It's the same with anything really, you know, when you pay, generally you listen. Yeah, absolutely. You do. <laughs> um, so, I think we're coming towards the, the, the kind of end of the, the interview, really. And what I tend to do towards the end is ask um, the people that we've, that we've interviewed what four lessons they can take from all of their experience, just four little nutshells. Um, I think, <laughs> I'm not going to put words in your mouth, but I can think of a few really just from, from what you've already said. But what would you say have been like some of the four main things you've learned? Okay. So if you're first, and I'm really off the hoof here, let's see if I can get to four. First one is surround yourself. If you're looking to grow a business, surround yourself with people who are growing businesses and running businesses and who are maybe slightly ahead of you, you know, yeah. slightly ahead of you in business. Don't be surrounding yourself with people who aren't in business and then listening to those people who aren't in business tell you what you should do with your business. Uh, I've seen it so, so many times where they've got so many ideas, so many things that you should be doing, but they're not actually in business. But you want to be listening from those who are in business, who are just that a bit ahead of you, who can help guide you, whether that be with a business coach, whether that be with um, other people who are in, you know, if it's online businesses, for example, um, spend time, get to know, 
build a, a, a community of people who are all growing online businesses because you're going to learn so much from them. If you're, if you're growing an online business, but then you're surrounded by lots of people who have um, shop front ones, then learning from each other is going to be a lot harder. Um, I found that with network, going to networking events. I'm predominantly in the online space and most of them aren't. So it's very difficult when you want to bounce ideas off because you're bouncing ideas off with people who aren't actually in that arena. Yes. So you're not, the, you're not getting the right, not the right responses, but the, the responses that are going to serve you well because you're, you're listening to people who aren't actually doing it. So that's, that's a definite one that you should be looking at what your business is right now and then spending time with people who are in the same environment who are maybe a bit ahead of you because then you will learn so much more and, and grow much quicker. Second one. Whole, well, go on. No, no, go on, no, go on. What are you going to say? I was just going to say, I think it was Ray Dalio that, that said that uh, you should never take financial advice off somebody that's not wealthy. And it's the same thing, isn't it? If somebody's not in the same space as you, and not at least ahead of you, then why would you take advice from them? Yeah, and they don't need to be, and that's the thing, they don't need to be that far ahead of you, but just no. in the space and a little bit ahead of you, because then they say, well, actually, I did that, and it didn't quite work. Because it's, it's so much easier if, some, if you're chatting to someone who's in the same space. Like I said, I'm in a group with people who are other people who are growing online memberships. So we're batting ideas off each other going, okay, what have you tried? What worked? Oh, I've tried this. This has worked. We're not in competition with each other, but we're helping each other grow. If I get in a group with people who aren't online doing other things, I'm bouncing it off with the, my ideas off with the wrong people, which then can take the business down the wrong, wrong step. So that's something I would definitely recommend. If you haven't got a group of people, find those that are doing um, and again, it doesn't need to be in the same industry, but the same sort of arena. Methodology. Um, second one would be support. Get yourself a VA. If anything, I knew that was coming. <laughs> I was going to put that first, but I thought I'll give something else first. But no, VA without a shadow of a doubt. If I, you know, if I could jump up and down and, and scream down this this lens that you now be like, get yourself a VA. And, but when you get yourself a VA, make sure it's the right VA. Now that might sound really, really strange because like, well, I don't know if it's the right VA. But not all VAs are equal. To give you an example, if you are growing an online business and you take on a VA who has been in working for a, working in a large oil company as a PA for the CEO and now that job's not there anymore. So she's decided to do virtual PA. She will not have had the experience in the online world and all the different things yet. So if you're, if you're growing your business, you want someone who can hit the ground running with the skills in the online world. So when you're looking at CVs, you're looking at the right things on the CVs. You're not just looking at going, oh, she's got all these skills, but if she's got to learn on the go, it's going to take a longer, it's going to cost you more. Yeah. So if you want to, if you really want to make sure you know when you're hiring that VA, what you need them to do. And this is, this is another thing as well, because when you're online, you first start growing, you're like, well, I don't know what I need to do. So I'm going to tell them what I think they need to do. You actually want someone who has got experience online to say, and they've helped others to say, well, did you know? It's like bank that sounding board. Mm -hmm. I helped such a client with their online stuff and they did sales page, they did lead magnets, they did email automations. You've not mentioned any of them if you've got all them sorted. You want someone who, who straight away has got, the, got knowledge there that can help you. Yeah. Because you don't know what you don't know. 
Absolutely. Um, you don't bring somebody in to tell them what to do. You bring somebody in for them to tell you what they yeah, need to do. Yeah. So um, it, it is really important that you get the right VA so you know what you're looking for. So, for example, if you're going an online course and you're using, I use, for example, Kajabi, and I'm more than happy mm. if anyone wants to go through Kajabi and I can show them how they use, you, you use Kajabi, but whatever platform, whether it's teachable Kajabi or whatever, knowing someone who's got the experience and they've done it regularly means they can hit the ground running for you. So when you go in and say, right, here we go, here's my stuff, <laughs> I don't know what to do next, how can you help me? Yeah. Then they should be able to come back and say, we should do this, 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 in this order. And then you're just creating stuff so you can be very focused about growing it forward. Um, I know people who've taken on VAs who, when they take them on, they're doing jobs for them, like social media, and they're spending several hundred pounds a month on someone doing social media for them. But when you look at it, that's not actually moving the business forward. No. It's like ticking the boxes where you, you want to be a bit more strategic around um, what you need to do so that you can income generate, basically. Otherwise, they won't have a job and you won't have a business. Indeed. Number three. Number three. <laughs> the pressure. What's the third one? What's the third one? You put me on the spot here. <laughs> the third one. What three things? What three things? That was two. The third one is personal development. So what you should, as an as a entrepreneur, if you've gone from the employed world or you're still employed world to the entrepreneur world, you're not going to know. You're still going to have part of an employee mindset. And yeah. need really sort of um, fill your mind with more creative entrepreneurial thinking and that's what personal development will do so it's again when I say personal development where your weaknesses are right now that's what you should be doing personal development on so when I first started um, the imposter syndrome confidence or I was reading books purely on that there were then other phases where it's looking at um managing time then there are other ones like you know being off balance on purpose there's different things where i wouldn't be look wouldn't generally be reading a book now on confidence because i'm i'm pretty confident unless something i'm pretty confident and I'm, i'll pick that up in podcasts and things anyway if i have if i have it knocked then i might go back and read one of the books that i've had but at different points so when i was launching online i was reading books about launching online you know, it's all depending on where you're, what stage you're at. So you need to be very self-aware of what stage you're at and where your weaknesses are. And if you're like, right, I hate selling, I really hate selling, then you need to be doing reading, you know, educating yourself around selling or, you know, around the mindset around sales, those type of things. Um, and understand it and just gradually start working your way through. Um, it's important as well, isn't it? That, that when you, even though, you're in business you you reach certain points you've got to realize that what's got you to here won't get you to where you want to be yeah and so it's you know the rules change yeah. and it's when those rules change you need to kind of start understanding the rules the different rules more and that's again where your personal development will you know then kick in as well yeah. not just I, at startup but right the way throughout yeah i ne i i can't think of a day when i haven't done personal development so whether that be most mornings I will wake up, I'll have my pre-workout drink and then I'll spend, whilst that's kicking in, I'll spend 15 minutes reading personal development before I do my workout. So I do that bit. Then it may be when I'm washing, when I'm washing the dishes, loading the dishwasher, I've got the podcast on. Or if I'm in the car without the kids, because with the kids there's no way I can put personal development on, they've got music. <laughs> but when I'm by myself, 
I can listen to podcasts after podcasts. So if you find that, okay, there's a lot of um, entrepreneurs with the process where they, they've got the day job and they're trying to build the business alongside it. Yeah. And it can be very difficult to, to do them. So simple things like, say, if you're driving to work and you're spending 30 minutes in your car, don't be listening to music. You want podcasts on that's going to help grow your mindset and teach you things because you'll come out, if you come out of it with one nugget from each um, podcast or everything that you've learned that you can take forward, you know, where will you be in 12 months, two years? 100%. Three? Absolutely. And then the fourth oh. one. You can hear my brain go tick, 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 tick. Fourth one, fourth one. See, if I'd have known that, I'd have time to, time to, to, to stick. Um, ah, yeah, fourth one is expect to have lots of bumps in the road, but how you deal with that is how will decide how successful you become. So I went over it previously about the fact that difficulties that, that have arisen, and I actually didn't go into all the detail because we could we could have been here all day. But I also bought a franchise at a point earlier on that I paid £10,000 out for that 12, 18 months later I handed back because I'd grown it so far but it didn't fit into family life. Now that's a bit of a sting in the tail, spending that sort of money. And then I hand, but I learned so much from it. So it's knowing that all the different things as you go along, you're going to learn. The more you fail, the more you learn. And then the, when you fail, you're like, okay, I'm not going to do that again. I'm going to yeah. try something else. And business is not going to be all plain sailing. You're going to have ups and downs. You're going to have things that are thrown at you, at you from business, from life, everything. And it's how resilient. You're going to have to build that resilience up. And you're going to do that by failing. Don't be afraid to fail. Don't be afraid to say, actually, this hasn't worked. I'm now going to try. I'm going to, I'm going to pivot slightly. So, for example, in March, when the business closed, I, had to, I knew I had to pivot. I had to do it fast. I'd already been building up to building the membership site on, but it was like, okay, foot's got to go down on the pedal now and I've really got to, to work on this because businesses have changed and going forward, it's going to be changes that, and if we have another spike, then again, the making sure that my business is stable is key. Not being afraid to pivot, not being afraid to ask for help. Um, that's, that's so important. Don't try and go it alone. And all all the most successful businesses out there they didn't do it alone they had they were getting help along the way whether it be business coaching whether they were other people in business that they were bouncing ideas off you can't do it alone um so yeah make sure you have people you can sound off to and the right people phenomenal a slightly more kind of light-hearted um, question now really is that if we were to have a tea party and you, there was, say, uh, four people that you could invite, one of them being me, obviously, um, who would they be and why? And, and these can be anyone alive or dead, you know, in history or not. Who would you have around your table? First off, I'd need some comedy humour there because it can be a dull if everyone. If everyone. So someone like um, Lee Evans. <laughs> have him there like the sweating monkey he's dead but now he's amazing uh, <laughs> so him and i've had someone like um shalene johnson purely because she was in the fitness industry she grew really really successful businesses have a, a wealth of knowledge that i'd love to sort of be able to sort of chat and pick her brains um michelle obama 
quite a powerful woman. You know, she's cropped up quite a lot. Yeah, I'd love to. I'd love to sort of to be able to have a good chat and her story and what she's had to overcome over the years. Because I think a lot of people think that those are successful or they have it easy. And actually, you generally find those that are more successful, they've gone through a lot more hardship or heartache along the years that's actually got them to where they are. Um, so yeah, Michelle Obama and so I'd say Tony Robbins, but he, if, lots of people say Tony Robbins, so I need to think of someone else. No, oh, oh, Gary Barlow. My husband will go mad. <laughs> so, so I can do, in other words. No, 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 no. So he, he's a singer. I, I love, I love music. And I actually sang in the same venue. He used to be like a resident singer at in Halton, British Legion, I think it was, in Runcorn. Okay. Um, so when I found that out, I was like, I've been on the same stage as Gary Barlow. <laughs> you know, anyway. No, it'd be good to, good to have a good, good chat with him because I think that, you know, yeah, a bit, a bit of a mix there. Yeah, so yeah. The, Gary Barlow. You've, you've got a mix of the kind of your old kind of entertainment days. You've got the kind of... Yeah, strong female kind of mentor. Yeah, and, and well, two f- female mentors and comedy. What better, yeah. what better tea party could you have? There we go. <laughs> and it's, been an, <laughs> <laughs> it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the podcast. Thank you very much indeed. Thank you for having me. All right, thank you. Thank you again to Jennifer for coming on to the podcast and imparting her wisdom. Um, I'm sure you got a lot out of the interview as well. Um, If you did, please feel free to subscribe and uh, also to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts as well. That would be most appreciated. We never do charge and we never will charge to access our podcasts or any any of our content, Um, but we do ask that you, you spread the word by subscribing and leaving a review where possible. And hopefully speak to you again next week. Many thanks.